Hi guys, welcome back. It's Christy. And today we're going to discuss restraints. And what do I mean? Just kind of restraints meaning control over maybe the expression of our thoughts, our emotions. And this is all coming from the book, The Yamas and the Niyamas. Um, that I've read several times now that I think we had to read when I was in yoga teacher training. And, you know, the yamas and the niyamas, these are Sanskrit words, and they are kind of like the fundamental of all yogic thought. And it, they're here to help us kind of explore all the ethical practices of yoga. The yamas translates to restraints, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And the niyamas are observances, so we'll do that on another day. But, you know, this kind of really shows us that yoga is a super sophisticated system that's like way beyond just doing yoga postures. It's really a way of living and how you live your life. Um, I kind of like to look at yoga as if it's a detailed map kind of for my life and you know it, it tells you and through all these different limbs of yoga it you know it's kind of like a guide on what is your next step and that's why i found that these yamas and niyamas are really good things to to talk about because they're kind of like guidelines you know, ethical guidelines that we can follow to help us live the best life that we possibly can. And that's really what we're all here to do. And they, they help us to take ownership of our life and so that we can direct it toward whatever that fulfillment and joy and happiness that we're all seeking. And that's why these yamas and niyamas are the first two limbs of yoga. I don't know, many of you may not have known, but yoga has eight limbs to it. And the postures that most of us know yoga to be are, is just one of the eight limbs. And eventually we'll get into discussing all of them throughout all these podcasts. So just look forward if there's anything you want to know more about sooner, you know, reach out anytime. <clears throat> But this episode, like I said, is going to be the yamas or the restraints that we need to have. And when we think about this restraints, it sounds like, ooh, we're not going to be allowed to do something. And really, you know, the guidelines that yoga has through these eight limbs are really not meant to limit us from living our life. But instead it's kind of like opening us up to knowing that if we follow this information and try to make some of these changes that we're going to really open our life up so that we can live it as fully and as lovely and as great as we can possibly be <clears throat> um the first of the five yamas that we're going to talk about today is nonviolence. And, you know, a really good example of this um, is in the Karate Kids movies, Karate Kid movies. Um, I just rewatched one of them with my son and then there was like a, a Netflix show on it, like little mini series that we watched. So, um, but anyways, you know, at first, most of you guys know Mr. Miyagi's kind of like this little tiny, silly, harmless old man who, lives in the same building as Daniel. 
and you know he's really humble he's unpretentious he kind of just sits around the house all day and tries to catch flies with his chopsticks or he's tending and trimming to his bonsai trees and you know he's barely bats an eye if something happens or if someone provokes him um, but as the movie progresses the bullies start to threaten Mr. Miyagi and Daniel and so Mr. Miyagi you know jumps into defensive action and you can see that Daniel's totally amazed by the incredible incredible ability of this old man how he can just so skillfully and peace almost peacefully you know take on a whole gang of karate opponents that are so much bigger so much younger than him <clears throat> and so after that happens daniel really really sees him as a true friend and somebody that he can learn to be skillfully defensive you know learn those skills and just learn how to live a really good life <clears throat> So anyways, nonviolence may appear to us as it first did to Daniel, kind of passive and unimportant as we saw Mr. Miyagi just sitting around and catching flies and his trimming his trees. Um, but really, it's so powerful that it kind of stands at the core of, it should be at the core of all of us, but it's definitely at the core of yoga philosophy. And, you know, yogis really believe that if we can't ground ourselves and our lives and all of our actions and thoughts in nonviolence, you know, everything else that we do in our life is kind of going to be unstable. <clears throat> and even if we are able to achieve and be really successful and all of our hopes and dreams and joys, they kind of are like they're on faulty ground if we're not really, really grounding ourselves in nonviolence. And, you know, obviously, like killing or doing physical harm are easily understood. And, you know, those are some of the real gross forms of violence. But there's so many little subtle implications. You know, when we feel hurried, afraid, powerless, out of balance, you know, we become harsh with ourselves and we may find ourselves speaking to others in not a kind way or kind of exploding, you know, having a complete breakdown. Um, <clears throat> and as we start to learn to become more conscious and aware of these little nuisances that we have, you know, we can learn how to be nonviolent with others. And it's really directly related to how we act to ourselves. You know, we can't be nonviolent to others if we're kind of still being violent with ourselves. Um, and if you remember in the Karate Kid movie, Daniel never went to like karate school to study. Instead, he really just became skilled at karate by doing like his daily chores of wax on and wax off and sanding the wood and painting the fences you know and it's kind of the same way that we're able to grow our capacity for like being nonviolent is moving through like the challenges of everyday life and trying to address those things that we see in ourselves that can lead us towards violence you know, we just really need to go through life doing no harm so that we can be our best, our highest self. 
And to do that, we have to practice courage, making sure we're balanced, self-love, and compassion. So let's talk quickly about each of those. You know, fear is kind of what creates violence, and it's definitely all around us right now. You know, wars are started and fought, you know, for this to get all of our goods, seize all of our goods, or keep all the power. You know, we see children's innocence that are destroyed by abuse of many kinds. I mean, just pay attention to mainstream media today. I mean, it's just fear, fear, building fear of everything bad, our news, just everything. Um, you know, look at the government, look at the world. There's just so many acts of violence going on. Um, but if we look at each and every one of those, you know, all, no matter what it is, you can trace all these acts of like greed and control and insecurity, you know, back to their root, which is fear. Because there really is only two things, fear or love. Um, and now when we think about fear, there's two kinds of fear. You know, one that's built for our survival, you know, kind of like the bear in the woods that we talked about an episode or two ago. And the other one is fear of the unfamiliar, you know, and this fear really only lives in our imaginations. Our minds kind of create this turmoil and then our guts feel it and the fear just keeps us, it's kind of like keeping us bound and we're not able to really live our lives. So we need to, we need to have courage. And, you know, courage isn't necessarily the absence of fear, but it's the ability to be afraid, but not let it chain us down or paralyze us. You know, we need to face our fears, all, all of them, the little ones, the fat ones, the embarrassing ones, you know, the really, really big, scary ones, you know, learning to be afraid, but letting go of it, not grasping on. And if, you know, if we never do anything, you know, I know on like the bags that you get at one of the yoga stores, it says, you know, do one thing. They have a whole bunch of little quotes. Do one thing a day that scares you. And, you know, because if we never do anything that scares us, you know, how are we ever going to grow and become more courageous? So we need to learn to like walk into our fears with with everything, with the people, with all of our experiences. And when we can do that, we're gonna just see ourselves growing because that's what we're here to do. We're here to grow and just evolve, right? And to live life in an amazing way. So, so courage, that's a big one. And we also need to create balance in our life. <clears throat> You know, think about a time that maybe you became short with somebody or something negative happened because you had too much work to do. You know, maybe it wasn't enough caffeine. Maybe you didn't sleep well. You know, when we get all these imbalances in our system, it kind of almost guarantees violence. And, you know, it, and it doesn't mean that you're going to yell necessarily. Maybe you're not somebody. I know, I know people who, who just aren't someone who would you know, have a complete breakdown or yell out at somebody, but then they're violent to themselves. So, 
you know, we really, really want to make sure we're creating balance and that's not an easy thing to do, you know, and balance looks different to you. It looks different to me. It looks different to all of us. And it looks different at different times in our lives. I mean, my balance definitely, I mean, you just kind of go through that flow as you go through life and it, and it changes. And so we need to, you know, kind of get quiet and listen to ourselves inside and listen to that voice and it's not going to be a pushy voice and it's not going to make any promises to you but it's just your inner wisdom really start you know by quieting down even for five minutes a day to breathe or to just sit quietly and listen to yourself can make you know such a huge huge difference when when we can do that and our bodies know, we know inside what we need to do to be healthy and to live in harmony. It's just most of us are so crazy busy, we don't even, we just don't take the time to do that. You know, so it's really important that we do this and we take care of our mind, our body, and our spirit. And it's so powerful because it really can keep our lives in balance, which, which makes us powerful. And then we kind of go through life like we're skating through it, you know, with just greater confidence and just flow and easy. And, you know, it automatically keeps us from living in nonviolence when we can keep our mind, body and soul all balanced. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, too. Hopefully, I think the next episode I'm going to talk, uh, introduce Ayurveda and that really, really is a big key. And I hopefully you guys are really going to enjoy this. Um, but anyways, our ability to stay in balance and to be courageous has so much to do with how we feel about ourselves. And you guys, I think, recognize this by now. We keep seeing this come up no matter what topic we're discussing is, you know, we're too critical of ourselves. And when we are, others feel that and they feel that high expectations of themselves as well but if we can just be like light-hearted and easygoing with ourselves and not not be so angry you know others will feel that joy of being with you and it will just make things more pleasant i know there was a time in my life when i was just on such a fast-paced track that you know, I never really took time for myself. And, you know, I wasn't taking time for the things that I loved and that I enjoyed. In fact, I probably didn't even know what they were for a number of years just because I was so just fast paced on this track. And, you know, I was kind of just caught in a whirlwind and wasn't taking, wasn't taking time for me. I didn't know about meditation. I didn't know about breathing. And, you know, it was, it was just not good to be doing that. And without even realizing that, you know, then I became really kind of demanding of those around me. And, you know, I noticed that my friends and my family were kind of feeling that bite or that sharpness that I had. And it was because I had created a violent inner world of just kind of pushing myself and overdoing it and undersleeping. And 
eventually that all just starts to seep out into into everything in your world to all your relationships and you know it's just it's not good so you kind of have to step back and make sure you're taking care of you and bringing pleasure into your life and and falling in love with yourself i know for me i i, I never i don't even think i liked myself and and I'm not sure why or did I just never think about it. You know, it was just all of these simple things um, that we have to do and really make time for that self-care, your self-love, and to learn your love yourself and accept yourself as it is. And if there's something you don't like, that's where your work is. And, and that's a huge bonus just to be able to recognize that and to want to improve. So, you know, remember, if we can think we have a heart full of love for others and like super good, pure intentions, but if we're not expressing love for ourselves, you know, we're gonna end up treating others the same way that we treat ourselves. So that's what we gotta do. We gotta learn to love ourselves, you know? Because really, love is at the core of nonviolence. Remember, it was either fear or love. And, you know, it begins with love of ourselves. It's all woven in there together. We can't, you know, love others if we don't love ourselves. And, you know, that's what we need to do. They really can't be separated. So that's a super important thing that you'll see keep coming up and up and up and up. Um, so if we're willing to really look deep and courageous into our own lives, we, you know, if we can't do that, we can easily like violate others in like subtle ways that we may not even be aware of, you know, when we think we're actually helping them. You know, I know this was something that I did um, when we try to fix others, we kind of cut them off from their power of, you know, them being able to become more competent and to grow stronger and just become more passionate human beings. Um, so sometimes it's best to just listen and support people versus having to fix them. And, you know, if you, um, I'm sorry, I, I lost my train of thought there, but um, <laughs> but anyways, so we just we want to be supportive and not not just going and fixing. And when we do that, you know, a lot of times we're avoiding something that needs fixed in our own lives, and we're too worried about other people. So that's you know that's never a good thing. And this is another one when we worry about somebody. You know, worry, I don't like that word because it's kind of like praying for something bad to happen. So that's never good. But when you worry about somebody, it's almost like we're saying that we don't trust them to live their life right. You know, it kind of devalues and insults the person that you're worrying about. So instead of fixing and worrying, we just need to learn to support others, to be there for them, you know, on completely equal ground and that's when we can become more passionate and you know start to dissolve our version of how we see the world just us personally 
and just kind of look at everybody with gentler, loving eyes. You know, because you've got to remember, everybody you meet or you know is fighting some sort of battle. So you, we just got to be extra kind, be compassionate, you know, tread lightly and, you know, do no harm and just be love. All right, I talked on that one for a little bit, but a couple of challenges with nonviolence that you can practice in your life are, you know, practice your courage by do some, doing something this week that you normally wouldn't do. I mean, it can be something really little, just anything or something that kind of scares you, you know, even if it's just a baby step. Um, another good thing we can do is practice silence or breathing or meditating, whatever is feeling right for you and and see if you can listen to your body and see what you might need to do or little changes you can start to make to keep it in balance um, another way is we can notice if we're running interference in people's lives are you know are you being a fixer are you being a worrier you know practice helping versus support um, <clears throat> Practice noticing how helping someone versus supporting them is. And if you're a helper, are you know, make sure you take a look at yourself and make sure that you know you're not avoiding things in your own world. Okay, and I'm gonna try to be a little bit shorter on these next next four that we have. Um, but you know, I hope you just know it's really, really important to keep nonviolence at the core of us and to really bring peace into our lives. You know, because that has a, a trickle effect into everyone we encounter. <clears throat> so next one up is truthfulness, another big one. Um, you know, truth has the power to right wrongs and to end sorrows, you know, but truth is something that really makes us, you know, kind of demand integrity to ourselves and to our lives. So, you know, again, besides for the obvious of always, you know, telling the truth and, you know, what lying means, um, you know, this really means also as we you know all of these we kind of take those subtler subtler looks um a little bit deeper but um this means being real with yourself and with others and trying to live your most authentic life you know and it's being real versus being nice and i feel like this was a hard one for me i felt like most of my life i was you know kind of afraid I'm not sure what I was afraid of. I wasn't going to fit in. I wasn't going to be liked. And, you know, I, w I felt like I was went through a stage where I was always showing up differently with different people and just always being nice and agreeing with whomever I was with and making sure, you know, I was perfectly presented to them as, you know, as I thought that they would like to see me. And, and that's a lot different than, you know, real comes from our center, from ourselves, you know, real kind of has strong, it's bold, has spontaneity to it, you know, it, it's asking us to come from a place where there's nothing to defend and nothing to manage. Um, a nice uh, a quote that Carl Jung had said, a lie would make no sense unless the truth was felt to be dangerous. 
so you know it's so true and and we find that in every lie and when when i think about that you know i feel like the truth the dangerous i think i was i was ashamed and i was you know embarrassed of i guess more my childhood and that you know just how i you know just all of that and you know, never letting that go for so long. It's like, I felt like I just had to please, you know, where I wasn't going to be liked. And maybe it was from lack of love, probably. But nonetheless, that was a really big thing, you know, and I had to stop packaging myself. And, you know, that's what we need to do. And to stop choosing kind of the safety of belonging, you know, to a group or to whatever over our own inner needs to grow, you know, because that dulls us when we do. It was like I was, you know, I, I didn't know who I was, um, you know, and I know we all belong to all sorts of groups, our country, our culture, our genders, our class, our age groups, our race, our religion, you know, our family origins, our communities, our workplaces. I mean, there's just, and so many other organizations and things that we're all a part of. And, you know, all of these have their own sets of rules, their own sets of belief, you know, beliefs. Some of those are written and others are just kind of simply understood if you belong to the group. And, you know, as long as those rules don't conflict with what your inner self is longing for and wanting to grow into and, you know, it's not stopping you from becoming your highest self, then it's great to to live by, you know, to belong to these groups and stuff. But just pay attention to when, you know, that need to belong ever starts to, you know, become stronger than, you know, and is is pushing you back down and not allowing you to grow. You know, it's just never worth sacrificing ourselves to to belong or to do anything. We we need to be our true selves. And then the true people you were meant to be with will all just it just kind of all attracts once you can be true to yourself um and i know truth is not usually always the easiest choice i mean it's hard work to work on ourselves but you know i mean think about people who have protested because let's say they opposed war and you know their realness could be that they might go to jail but is it worth it to you know to take a stance on something that's that important to you or people who take a job that has a much lower salary than another one they were offered just because you know that lower salary job really excited them about something i mean you hear people are like you're crazy but you know that's staying true to you you know my my middle daughter um is graduating this year and you know she's at a college that they have a lot you know they kind of almost guarantee them really great jobs coming out of her her degree and she's been offered some really lucrative jobs like super super amazing um but they're first you know they're really big in defense companies and she's just like morally opposed to all that so she's you know having to stay true to herself 
and take the harder route to find a job in, you know, in mechanical engineering that like morally agrees with her. Um, or, you know, thinking of a mom who is trying, just had a baby and is trying to decide if she's going to go back to work or stay home with her kids. I mean, like in all of these situations, there's never a right or a wrong choice or answer, but it's being true to yourself. And if we can quiet down and listen and let yourself speak the truth and, you know, we just can pay attention and then and then we do we act from our heart and what's inside of us and um you know what we believe you know whether we're aware of it or not kind of informs everything and every choice we make which is just why it's so important to you know to stick to what you think even if your group or whatever whoever you belong to your parents even you know, disagree with you. You got to listen to what's really, really inside of you and, you know, be a person of truth. And, you know, we need to constantly be looking at ourselves and exposing ourselves to ask questions and look at things differently than maybe some of the views that we've held sacred to us or views that we just grew up with and have taken into our young adulthood. You know, to, to question, question everything, you know, and you'll know the truth has weight, it has boldness to it, it's real, you know, because when we try to run away from life and micromanage our life, you know, we kind of leave our energy just scattered here and there and all over the place. And we feel much differently when we show up with our own thoughts, our own words, and our own actions. We, we're just like a powerful being that's all together and ready to take on the world in the greatest ways. Um, there becomes, you know, just something really good and forceful and fierceful um, when we can meet our own life with truth. And it's crazy how amazing our lives could be if we're just willing to stay true to ourselves in every moment, in every choice, in every thought, in every action. So challenges for this one, being nice versus being real. You know, just start to notice situations on each and how you feel and kind of what it invokes in you when you see yourself maybe not being true to yourself. Um, practice self-expression to the outer world with, with all your internal hopes and dreams. You know, somehow put it out there, whether whatever it is, just whatever's inside of you, start to let it shine to the world. And, you know, another good thing is to, you know, Try to do things right the first time. Be honest and so we don't have to go back and apologize or correct our mistakes. And let's see. Uh, let's also like look at our current beliefs and if there's anything um, that isn't serving you and making sure that everything that you do believe in is serving your highest self. And if it's not, let go of it. You can do a meditation of letting go and moving forward and allowing more realness and authenticity to kind of show up in your life.
Um, all right, we're on number three, the next one. Non-stealing calls us to live with integrity and reciprocity. For if we're living, you know, with fear and lies, it kind of causes us to be dissatisfied with ourselves. And then we tend to look outward and may give us the tendency to steal what is not rightfully ours. You know, we steal from others, we steal from the earth, we steal from ourselves. And that kind of means we end up stealing from our own opportunity to grow into the person that we're meant to be and to live the life that we want to live. You know, when we have an outward focus, we tend to compare ourselves with others. And so this is where we're going to kind of bring in our non-stealing. Yes, again, not stealing physical things from people, but we're going to get a little deeper with this. And, and when we focus outwards and are comparing ourselves, you know, we, we kind of send that energy into their lives in unhealthy ways. So, because when we compare, we end up either finding ourselves lacking, which, you know, makes us feel like we've been cheated, or we find ourselves kind of feeling superior and a little bit arrogant. And, you know, it, it steals from ourselves and it steals from others. And when we, when we steal in ways like it, someone's talking about like a trip that they have planned and we one-up them and say, well, we're going on this grander trip, um, you know, a month later. We do it with other people's successes. We do it even, you know, sometimes in death. I mean, there's just so many things that we do it with. I've heard people who are talking about, a, you know, maybe a parent just passed away and then all of a sudden they shift the story and talk about their own you know, experience with their parent dying or whatever it is, instead of just being present for the person. Um, you know, we also can steal from others when we don't pay attention to them. So it all comes back again to us. When we feel unhappy with ourselves and our lives, you know, we then tend to have a tendency to drag others down with us. And, you know, that's when we can make snide remarks or out of jealousy. But when we can genuinely care and consciously listen, then we're able to be supportive and tender with others. So not only do we steal from others, but we also steal from the earth. You know, we're supposed to be visitors to this human experience. You know, nobody would go over to a friend's house, have dinner, complain about the food, leave the trash lying all over the place, you know, walk off with a nice vase or something because you decided you wanted it. But it's kind of how we treat the world. You know, imagine what would happen every time we took something if we gave something back. You know, nowadays in this culture, we're so into ownership and my house, my car, my kids, my clothes, you know, my flat tire that just happened. The, you know, the ownership is, of things is so deeply embedded in all of us. And that kind of makes it hard for us to appreciate, you know, that nothing is really ours. This, you know, but this non-stealing guideline has us look and try to appreciate that, you know, nothing is really ours and we should treat 
everything that we possess as if it's something precious. That's kind of like it's on loan to us instead of just, ooh, I have more and I have more and I have more. You know, I mean, right now in this world, we know there's like an increasing gap between those who have and those who don't have. And I guess it would be silly for us to think that we all could or should be evenly divided. But there's definitely something wrong when we see, you know, children starving and people homeless, you know? This earth was supposed to be for the community, not the individual. And, you know, just imagine if everything that we consider to be ours could, you know, be used for the good of the world or the good of your community. Um, and in that sense, we've kind of just lost all, all gratitude. You know, we live in such excess. We're, we're stealing from our children, our grandchildren. You know, we have excess in our bodies, excess in our calendars, in our closets. You know, these are kind of all signs like we all think there's going to be no tomorrow and no one needs to live once we're gone. You know, so we need to focus on what we think, you know, instead of focusing on what we think that we may not have in the future versus, you know, realizing that we have so much abundance right in front of us. And, and then try to make our decisions, be grateful for the abundance that we do have and try to make all our decisions as if they mattered, you know, seven, eight generations into the future. Um, another, the last huge theft is all the demands and expectations we place on ourselves, stealing from ourselves. You know, we steal our own enthusiasm, you know, all self-sabotage, our lack of beliefs in ourselves, low self-esteem when we judge ourselves, when we criticize ourselves, if we're demanding perfection, you know, these are all forms of self-abuse. And, you know, when we live in the past or in the future, we're also kind of stealing from ourselves. You know, it's like we're putting up fences, real or imagined, you know, around our physical belongings and all of our, you know, mental idealisms. You know, we're stealing from ourselves because we're not able to really expand and live our lives to the fullest that we can. You know, we're just so captured in a culture where our identity is tied to all of our accomplishments and how quick can you get to the next big step. You know, this really leaves us no time for ourselves and time to digest and and just kind of feel. How do our lives feel? You know, we need to just take a step back and do everything a little bit more slowly and take time to rest and to reflect and to contemplate what what is it you're going to do next. You know, I know I spent at least the first 40 years of my life just doing that, you know, jumping and what do I need to do now and what's the next thing and what can I get and have. And, you know, all of this really, really helped me to, to open my eyes and, you know, and that's what non-stealing kind of does is has us shift that focus from others into ourselves, you know, so we can get excited about the possibilities in our life 
And when we engage in, you know, joy and challenge of building ourselves and building our lives, we kind of automatically serve the world rather than steal from it. So again, it's coming back to us, you know, our, our number one job is building and shaping ourselves into something of value. So let's see some challenges for non-stealing, you know, just start to notice how and when you steal time, attention, one-ups, power, confidence from others. And, you know, see if you can notice what prompted you to do this. Um, and instead, just try to lift everybody that you meet um, and everybody you know, uh, just lift them up. We can also notice when we're stealing from the earth or from the future, you know, for things for the future. You know, just see if we can give back anything that we take. Um, also, just a really good thing is to notice how much is available for us to use and enjoy without owning. I mean, look at the beaches in the ocean. To me, that's one of the greatest things that I get to go walk on the beach and at the ocean every single day. But the parks, the sunsets, the mountains, the libraries, notice all the things around you that, that are here and nobody owns them. We just get to use them. It's amazing. And really just start to live in gratitude and reciprocity with you know all that we've been given. We really, really are blessed. Okay, here we are on to number four, and I think I'm getting shorter with each one. Um, but this is this is a long episode, but it's also really, really, really good. So, um, non-excess. Hmm. You know, we find ourselves pretty much overdoing everything: our food, our work, our exercise, our sleep. You know, we're we're just forgetting to look at life as if it's sacred. You know, so this guideline of non-excess asks us to, you know, leave all that greed and excess behind and and try to walk with a new set sense of wonder and awe in everything that you do. As you guys know, those big, attractive plastic storage bin that line all the, you know, big box store aisles you know, the stats on American obesity, the shortage of waste facilities for all of our trash. These are kind of like all big blinking signs that, that we are people of excess. I mean, we overdo everything. We overdo food, we overdo sex, we overdo work, we overdo sleep, we overdo entertainment, we overdo material possessions. We really overdo just about anything, you know, and there's a moment when we all reach that perfect limit to whatever it is we're engaged in or have. And, you know, it's time that we start to recognize when is that moment of just enough? Um, you know, when did we, when do we move past the place of happy and content into that excess? 
And it's really because our minds begin to connect like certain emotional states with certain activities or certain foods, you know, when you're sitting at home at night, and, ooh, I need to have a dessert or, you know, whatever it is, you know, we need to be able to start to learn what our body really needs in that moment versus the story that our mind is telling us. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I've noticed that, you know, sugar, salt, caffeine, all of that good stuff create much more of a mind story than like kale or sweet potatoes ever have for me. But, you know, if we find ourselves in that and we're living in the extremes of of anything, of excess, of addiction, overindulgence, you know, in any place of our lives, you know, we can begin to notice and, and, and just stop it or fast or abstain so we can wrap our head around the story that our mind is telling us and trying to sell us that you need to go have that. You know, because we all have that innate intelligence inside of us and and we know it's something that's way way bigger than us and again that's what we need to do is you know listen to ourselves and to start to see the sacred you know the divine in the ordinary things and the ordinary in the sacred that it's just again it's one in the same inside of us if we can just listen to ourselves that that's where the divine is and then everything you do starts to shift and everything you see starts to shift like how you see it when we can really just sit with gratitude and wonder in our hearts and then you know there's never any need for excess you know, just be true to your purpose and limits of everything that's in existence. Just, you know, just be aware. Just start to be aware. So challenges for this non-access, you know, is, is examine your beliefs, your values, your habits, you know, and then notice what your culture, or the media, or your religion, or whatever it is, has to say about you know has to say about it and then notice if you're kind of acting on their guidelines or if you're acting on your own true inside beliefs um, of course another one try to live in non-excess you know eating and sleeping and working remember the point of life is to know what's enough you know and and to practice that practice having the pleasure of things without being in excess um, and then another thing is to, again, quiet your mind, contemplate your own divinity, and, and listen to yourself and know what's right for you. And just live in that, that sacredness of your own life. All right, on to our last one for today, which is non-possessiveness. Um, which can kind of also be interpreted as like attachment or non-greed or non-clinging or non-grasping. So non-attachment, I'm sorry. Um, I think I said attachment, um, non-attachment. Um, you know, just all of those things, just kind of the ability to let go 
and to kind of pack lightly on this journey that we're going through in life and care deeply and start to enjoy it fully, really, really fully. And, you know, what if we could trust life kind of like how we trust the fact that we're going to keep on breathing? And I know this is something we've all talked, or we've talked about in previous episodes, is that it's something most of us don't think about, that our breath, we're just gonna keep on breathing. And if we could start to fully trust that life will just keep on happening without us clinging and grasping and micromanaging, you know, because when we do that, it's it's really killing us. It's it's killing our growth, and it's stopping what's supposed to just naturally unfold, lovely, your life. So I feel like you know, I felt really vulnerable and sensitive just growing up and being ashamed of my childhood. And then as an adult, kind of the same way when I went through a divorce and had small kids, like ashamed of myself. And, you know, it was kind of at that point that I was like, all right, I don't ever need anybody again. And I feel like I unconsciously, you know, that decision began to work at me in ways that I didn't even recognize. like. I never wanted to ask for help. I was going to do everything I needed. Nobody, nobody needed to love me. I needed to love nobody. Um, You know, and I kind of refused to let myself be tired or to rest and was just wanted to be, you know, I refused to be really anything other than invincible, you know. And it was like I never wanted to get hurt again. I you know, never wanted to be a sucker again. And it it took years and years and years before I realized the havoc and the attachment to this image of myself was having on my life. It was like I was wearing myself out and all those around me and I couldn't stop because I, I didn't want to be helpless again. But it was keeping me trapped and keeping me from enjoying like the fun in life. I, I had to learn to let go. And, you know, remember anything that we cling on to kind of creates a problem or a maintenance problem for us that we have to keep up with. You know, attachments, when we're attached to something, it can totally ruin our day if it doesn't happen. Um, And I think I've, you know, mentioned this before. This is one of my favorite quotes, and it's on my little notepads on my desk from Wayne Dyer. You know, a mind open to everything and attached to nothing when our mind is open and unattached to like any particular way of living, it's like we have this huge, huge container and it can just be filled with new and endless possibilities that we can explore. But when our mind is closed and we're attached to a way of thinking, it's like nothing can get in. It's like this teeny tiny little box right around you. So, You know, we, you know, how many containers full of expectations and tasks and plans and resentments and like maybe unforgiven moments was I carrying around with me, you know, every day? And how many do we carry around? 
we were like way over our limits. I mean, even the airlines know to charge us a fee, which I don't really love, but when we pack excessively, um, you know, so it's, it's silly. It's crazy for us to carry around all these expectations and all this, you know, resentments and all of the things that we feel sad or guilty or, you know, embarrassed of. You know, it's kind of like carrying huge loads of bricks all day and, you know, and you know life. They just keep adding on to the pile that we're carrying. So really learning to be non-attached, you know, doesn't mean we don't care. It just lets us be able to dive into the joys and appreciate our own lives and to appreciate each other. You know, we need to trust that our future is much greater than what we're clinging on to and to just learn to let go of things that no longer serve us. Um, all right, so our challenges for this last one are, you know, to pay attention to your breath and, you know, simply just observe an inhale and a full exhale. And don't hold on because so many of us, as we've talked in the breathing episodes, cling on to our breath and our breath is shallow and short. Take that deep breath in, just feel it. And the same with the deep breath out and don't hold on to anything. Um, But do take notice of the physical things that we surround ourselves with. How do they make you feel? Do they make you feel heavy? Do they make you feel light? You know, experience the difference between being attached to something and really enjoying something. And, you know, notice what our expectations are on people, on things. And are our expectations keeping us like limited and closed in that little box and unhappy? And, and then just let go, practice letting go of little things so that when we do have those big things that come into our life, we're prepared. And let go of some of those emotions and those habits and those thoughts and those beliefs that we've clung to that maybe no longer serve us. And really, let's just try to live fully and experience this life without any attachments or any need to possess just just to be here um so these were the yamas or the restraints and i really kind of like to see these as like the gps or our instructions for life you know they kind of tell us when we're going the wrong way and you're like a little gps make an immediate u-turn you know they kind of invite us into that adult relationship with the world where we see past our own needs and kind of into that collective good on how we can serve the world. And they really, these five things, they keep us from harming ourselves and harming others and instead like having kindness and compassion for ourselves and others. They keep us from lies and half-truths, and they let us express our uniqueness, our authenticity. Uh, let's see, number three, they keep us from, from stealing, from, yeah, from stealing, and then help us to cultivate you know, new skills and new abilities when we learn not to steal from ourselves, from others, from the earth. 
Um, they keep us from greed, <laughs> our excess of everything, and instead have gratitude and appreciation for all of these pleasures that we have in life with, without going to the edge, you know, knowing when things are just right. Um, they also keep us from attachment, you know, and not possessing things. So that's a huge one is to really be attached to nothing. I mean, attached to no person, no thing, no, hey, this is going to for sure happen today or this is going to happen on this date. Like things like that, being attached, it used to kind of get me riled up. But um, now, you know, I it just I let it go and it really makes life much more peaceful. So anyways, we will discuss the Niyamas on another podcast because I know this was a really long one for me, but I hope you guys really enjoyed it. And that's going to be a really fun one because we kind of start to move the focus from ourselves and from a social focus to a really, really super internal focus. So this is going to be some good work on us. Anyways, I can't wait for you guys to join me again. Remember, it's never too late to be what you might have been. Until next time, much love.